I'm Shelley Schlender. This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. Today is Tuesday, July 4th, 2023. Coming up, we explore a way to help more nations achieve energy independence through superconductors. From backyard tinkerers... If people have a curiosity and they have a desire... They can do amazing things. To a high-tech lab in Boulder, working to power things like electric passenger jets. There's a lot of effort to develop superconducting cables for electric aircraft that are light enough to transmit that type of power and enable fully electric aircraft that are large, that are twin aisle carrying 200, 300 passengers. This is a story about a quest to help every nation in the world have energy independence, thanks to better superconductors. Superconductors are substances that allow electricity to pass through them without resistance, helping machines run cooler and faster and save energy. Better superconductors would save so much energy, there could be energy independence around the world. Better superconductors would lead to electric machines so powerful and small. An electric passenger jet could fly across the sea. But there's a problem. Superconductors today only work when they stay super cold, down to almost absolute zero. And to cool things that much takes liquid helium. Helium's rare. It's expensive. Big labs and major corporations are working to make superconductors work at warmer temperatures. Some people of more humble means are also on a quest to find better superconductors. Let's go now to the nearby state of Kansas, a small town where tree-lined neighborhoods are so quiet you could almost walk down the middle of the street. On one of these streets, a retired electrical engineer tinkers away in his garage. I'm Joe Eck. We are in McPherson, Kansas. Needed a workspace, and so we took a conventional workbench and set up some uh, computers on it, some test equipment, and a kiln. Brought chemicals out here and went to work. With his backyard equipment, Joe Eck is on a mission. <laughs> Trying to advance the science of superconductivity. What, in Joe's words, is a superconductor? A superconductor is a ready-made perfect conductor. It conducts electricity without any resistance, no loss of the energy flowing through it, unlike the, the copper wires and the aluminum wires that are on our power grid. In contrast, a superconductor lets electricity flow without resistance, so it can work faster with more precision. Take a magnetic resonance imaging machine. MRIs give incredibly precise pictures of brains and joints and arteries. They're super precise because an MRI machine contains a superconductor. But there's a limitation to these superconductor machines, and the clue is that if you ever get an MRI, first the technicians will tuck you into a blanket. They provide the blanket because the imaging chamber of an MRI machine is chilly. It's chilly because on the other side of the wall, the MRI machines are being supercooled by something rare and very expensive. Here's the backyard tinkerer, Joe Eck. MRI machines are used to look inside the human body 
but they have to be cooled down to about four degrees Kelvin, which is four degrees above the coldest temperature possible, absolute zero. That makes the cooling material, which is liquid helium, very, very expensive. It's a major drawback, relying on superconductors that only work at super cold temperatures. And right now, all commercial superconductors require being super cold. So superconductors are only used for high-tech things like super colliders, or in the general market for MRI machines. This problem with keeping superconductors super cold is why scientists are seeking something that superconductor researchers often call the holy grail. Here's Joe Eck. If we could get room temperature superconductors, there would be no cost for cooling whatsoever. Being perfect in their conductivity, they would allow you to do things you've never done before. Things you may not have even thought about. Like what? Uh, well, like super fast computers, not just fast computers, which we have today, but super fast, blindingly fast computers that would be on the category of uh, national supercomputer sizes that fill up whole rooms could be put into homes. Some universities and corporations have multi-million dollar efforts underway to find warmer superconductors. Scientists at Rochester University in New York have one of the most notorious efforts underway. Rochester scientists have reportedly created superconductors that do work at room temperature. Well, they sort of work. They're only room temperature superconductors while they're held under very high pressure. Really high, like maybe the gravity of Jupiter. These high pressures are only achievable in a high-tech lab like Rochester's. Plus, other scientists dispute the Rochester findings, questioning whether the high-pressure superconductors actually operate at all. So it looks like even the biggest labs haven't found a room-temperature superconductor yet. Back in small-town Kansas, Joe Eck tests superconductor candidates by cooking up a wafer-sized pellet of chemicals there in his garage. Yes, this is my kitchen, the mad scientist at work. <laughs> well, we have a kiln, we have uh, temperature sensors, precision temperature sensors and controllers. We have compressed oxygen, pure oxygen, to anneal the uh, pellets when they're done baking. We have test equipment that's attached to a computer so I can test each result and log the data and evaluate the performance of that particular compound. As for what substances go into his superconductor pellets, Joe cradles a cardboard box filled with small jars of rare earth metal powders. On the top of each bottle is the chemical formula. There's lanthanum oxide, tellurium oxide, bismuth, scandium, cadmium oxide, that's dangerous stuff you gotta handle it carefully, tin oxide. These are the powders he mixes and combines to make those superconductor pellets, pellets that he bakes in his tabletop kiln. Thulium, calcium carbonate, uh, here's cerium oxide, everything but the kitchen sink. Joe X says his website about superconductors is popular. I share what I've discovered, and I've had a lot of universities and a lot of individuals contact me for more information. Joe Eck has found some chemical combinations that have high enough superconductivity. He's seen a reason to patent them. 
I've got over 140 some discoveries so far in the field of superconductivity. Most of all, Joe X says that as a retired engineer, searching for room temperature superconductors has proved more fulfilling than playing bridge. And besides, who knows? A lot of people are surprised that I'm doing this kind of work in a garage like Thomas Edison. But it is still possible in this day and age to do creative work in your home with modest expenditures. There are still many areas of science that need to be explored. Even if none of these ever reach the market, if none of them have ever, ever gone into production and become part of our household lives, our daily lives, that's fine with me because I've learned something. Learned something amazing. If people have a curiosity and they have a desire, they can do amazing things. Even just somebody without a, a formal education even can go a long way in the field of science because there's so many areas that have not yet been thoroughly explored. I'm Shelley Schlender. This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. Today, we explore a way to help more nations achieve energy independence through superconductors. As part of trying for better superconductors, here in Boulder, Danko Vanderlaan explains what his company is doing to get more superconducting into the world. I'm Danko van der Laan. My company is Advanced Conductor Technologies, and we are making superconducting cables for high-field magnets for fusion applications, accelerator magnets, as well as electric aircraft. All very nice, new, exciting applications that superconductivity really helps uh, enable. Danko van der Laan stands in a lab the size of a school auditorium. Nitrogen tanks. This how cooling liquid nitrogen. And this is extremely cold, four times as cold as room temperature. Liquid nitrogen, what we use for cooling the superconductors to make them superconducting. This is readily available uh, for many welding vendors. Uh, it's inexpensive, especially compared to liquid helium. It's very practical way of, of testing superconductors. You can have an open bath that you fill with liquid nitrogen and perform your high current test. Vanderland says the expense of helium has very much limited the applications possible for superconductors that require liquid helium. MRI magnets is the main application uh, of superconductors at the moment. So these are low temperature superconductors. They need to be cooled with liquid helium, which is expensive. Helium is so light, whenever it gets in the air, it evaporates, it leaves the planet, it will never come back. There's, uh, yeah, it depletes, so it's, it's gone. Air is 80% nitrogen, so it's, uh, it's available, it's everywhere. We're working with high temperature superconductors. That does not require liquid helium cooling. So it opens up the door for a lot of different applications that are not uh, possible with the low temperature superconductors. You may have noticed that van der Laan calls things cooled by liquid nitrogen, high temperature superconductor materials. Yes. It's not very high, <laughs> but for us physicists, it's very high because it's, it's, it's a lot higher than 4 Kelvin. 
Keep in mind, high-temperature superconductor is a term developed by scientists, not by regular people. So high-temperature superconductor does not mean something as hot as a fire or a boiling pot of water. In superconductor lingo, high temperature refers to materials that are actually very cold. A high-temperature superconductor just means it doesn't need to be as cold as liquid helium, meaning almost absolute zero. Vanderland's specially woven superconductor cables superconduct at the temperature of liquid nitrogen. And here in the realm of superconductors, we're going to pause a moment to figure out just how cold Danko Vanderland's high-temperature superconductor is. At room temperature, you're at 300 Kelvin, roughly. At a high-temperature superconductor, you need to still cool to 77 Kelvin, while a low-temperature superconductor is cooled to all the way down to 4 Kelvin. But 77 Kelvin is still very cold compared to the 300 Kelvin that's room temperature. So liquid nitrogen is about four times colder than room temperature, while liquid helium is about 100 times colder than room temperature. So to have superconductors work, at something that's only four times colder than room temperature, it's a huge step. Now let's look at van der Leyen's specially woven high-temperature superconductor cables, which are pencil-thin. Let's look closely. They look like they're braided from dozens of pieces of plastic reel-to-reel -reel recorder tape. That's sort of like the tape you might use for gift-wrapping a package, only instead of being clear like gift wrap tape, Danko van der Leyen's tape is kind of brown. But while the tape he weaves looks like old-fashioned tape recorder tape, it's actually incredibly amazing. This tape comes from a high-temperature superconductor technology developed in the 1980s. Its exotic chemicals have names very similar to the chemicals of that backyard tinkerer Joe Eck, and as long as they're cooled by liquid nitrogen, those tapes superconduct. Here's Danko van der Leyen explaining the tape. This is a superconducting tape. So this is a high temperature superconductor, YBCO. The, a thin ceramic film deposited on a metal substrate. And this carries current in the order of 100 amps at liquid nitrogen temperature. It's a metal ribbon that inside has a thin superconducting film that carries the current without resistance. So these are ceramic. Yes, they are on a metallic substrate, but in the end, the superconducting material is a ceramic film. It's yttrium barium copper oxide, rare earth barium copper oxide, REPCO. You can't get this over at Best Buy. No, so these are grown in vacuum chambers. So this is vacuum technology that is producing these films. And the film itself is only one or two microns thick, so very thin, but it's extremely difficult to make them at high enough quality to actually carry current over long lengths. So it's very thin crystalline films that have to be highly aligned to actually carry currents over longer distances. One thin strip of this superconducting tape is amazing. This is carrying about 100 amps at liquid nitrogen temperatures. So how much is 100 amps? If you look it up on Google, as I did, You'll find that a 100 amp service provides enough power to run all the electrical appliances in a medium-sized home, plus one or two larger things, such as an electric range and a clothes dryer, all at the same time. An electrician is welcome to call in and tell us that I'm wrong, and I probably am at least a little. 
but it looks like a standard copper or aluminum wire to provide 100 amp service is around a quarter of an inch thick. Yet Donko Vanderland's thin, wispy, hardly weighs anything at all, ribbony, brown superconductor tape can carry the same amount of current. And unlike a copper wire or an aluminum wire, when the tape is cooled by liquid nitrogen, that wispy superconductor tape can carry electricity without resistance. So it wouldn't lose a fair amount of the current as heat. It would be more efficient. Plus, when dozens of those tapes are all braided together to make a strong and intricate cable, its superconductivity gets even more amazing. Here's Donko Vanderland explaining the superpower of his intricately woven superconductor cables. But a lot of applications require a lot more current. So what we do is we cable these into very high current cables. So this is one of our products uh, that bundles a lot of these ribbons into a round cable that then carries thousands of amps at liquid nitrogen that enables high field magnets, electric aircraft, all based on high temperature superconductors. So this is an example that has roughly 30 of these ribbons bundled into a round cable, so it's more practical than these thin ribbons. And it carries a lot more current than one of these single ones. And that woven together superconductor cable really is no thicker than a pencil. Hold up your pinky. One of Danko Vanderland's cables is really no thicker than that. Yet the thousands of amps that this thin little cable can carry is a lot more current than a big bundle of copper wires. To help show how much current, Danko Vanderland and his colleague at Boulder's Advanced Superconductor Technologies looked around their very large lab. They decided to focus on a big set of insulated electrical cables next to one of their nitrogen tanks. All these regular copper cables. These were thick, long cables. Each one was sort of like the electric cable a person might use to run some large outdoor thing, such as an electric lawnmower from the days when electric lawnmowers had to be plugged in. And it wasn't just one of those cables next to the nitrogen tanks. It was around a dozen cables. The thickness of all those cables together was as big as the diameter of a platter that you might use to serve a big group of friends a huge plate of pasta. Vanderland's colleague is Zach Johnson. While we were standing next to the noisy testing area, Johnson explained that it takes every one of those cables all at once to test the lower current capacity of one single pencil-thin superconductor cable. So it takes every one of these um, large copper cables to get enough current into our system so that we can just test the edge of how good these core cables are. But it takes no power to actually push it across because power is a function of not just the current but the voltage and the resistance and there's no pushback. So the pushback from the cable in here is zero, which is the amazing part of superconductivity. After that, Jackson and Vanderland showed how simple it is to cool a cable down to four times colder than room temperature by pumping liquid nitrogen into a styrofoam tub. So let's get a liquid nitrogen hose that's also needed. All right, let's do some nitrogen play. <laughs> so this is to create a cold bath to test the superconductors with liquid nitrogen. So right now we're collecting liquids and when we have enough level, then we can actually start running current through the superconducting cable. 
And this is extremely cold, so this is, uh, yeah, four times as cold as room temperature. With a supercooled superconductor cable, what kinds of things could a person power? Here's Donko van der Laan talking about why superconductor cables like this will be a key to developing electric passenger jets. There's a lot of work being done on developing electric aircraft, where you have electric motors as propulsion, moving away from carbon emissions instead of using standard jet engines. Large aircraft require 25 megawatts of power to take off. You cannot use conventional cables to provide this power because they are too heavy. So now there's a lot of effort to develop superconducting cables for electric aircraft that are light enough to transmit that type of power and enable fully electric aircraft that are large, that are twin aisle carrying 200, 300 passengers. Advanced Conductor Technologies' Zach Johnson says that another application will be better fusion reactors. A fusion reactor would be sort of like a nuclear power plant today, except nuclear power plants use fission power and they create nuclear waste. Fusion reactors sound like they would be waste-free if only they could get to working right. Currently, they're huge, 10 stories tall, and they don't generate enough power yet to help anybody. Johnson says that with superconductive cables like these, fusion reactors could probably generate much more power and be small enough to make a lot more sense than the gigantic fusion reactors being tested today. We've seen a lot of investments in the private sector towards the fusion applications. ITER is the International Thermonuclear Experimental Reactor, and that one is a 15, 20, 30 billion dollar project. Huge. It's a 10 story tall magnet that's made from low temperature superconductors. Expensive and huge, and they're trying to make it make as much power as it takes to run it. Okay, so that's break even, same in power out as in. With the new HCS, the new high temperature superconducting materials, we have much better current carrying capacity. You can make things a lot smaller. We can go to much higher fields, so you can make things a lot stronger if you double your field. The amount of power that's put out, it goes up by 16. It's your field raised to the fourth, right? So the size can come down from 10 stories tall to the size of a car. You can put them on the back of a semi-truck. We've been talking about the superconductors that can work when cooled to the so-called high temperature of liquid nitrogen. So a temperature four times colder than room temperature. How about the holy grail that backyard tinkerers like Joe Eck and big universities like Rochester, they would be the very best. How about a room temperature superconductor? Donko van der Laan says that would be wonderful. <laughs> well, that's always the holy grail, uh, to find a room temperature superconductor. Well, then everything could be superconducting at room temperature when it's laying on, on the table. However... I'm not holding my breath. It would be a fantastic achievement, but uh, there's people looking for this over a hundred years and it's still not here. You never know. Of course, you never know. But don't count on it, though. Don't wait for it. <laughs> Maybe a room temperature superconductor isn't likely for a long, long while, if ever. But how about these so-called high temperature superconductor applications? Here's Boulder's superconductor scientist Danko van der Laan talking about electric passenger jets. That will be taking at least another 10 years 
if all the demonstrations are successful before those become reality. So high temperature superconductors were discovered in 1986. To make those into real practical applications, it takes a long time. Once the material has been discovered, you have to make it in long lengths, so you can carry current over longer distances, or you wind a magnet from a conductor. Uh, so to get from the basic material to a practical superconductor to a real working application takes a lot of time. Vanderland says it's at least 10 years before we have an electric passenger plane. How about those incredible, clean, energy from almost nothing, compact fusion reactors? In the noisy labs at Boulder's Advanced Conductor Technologies, here's Zach Johnson. Um, uh, five is what the Commonwealth, I think, is claiming, uh, 2026. Zach Johnson is saying compact fusion reactors might be only five or six years away. Johnson asks if it's a guarantee, then answers his own question. Can they buy enough conductor? Well, I don't know. I mean, is the physics going to work out exactly the way that it's predicted? No one's gotten there yet. Ideally, yes, it'll be very quick, and that's what we're all spending our careers trying to do, but... We're not there yet. But thanks to the efforts of scientists like these, we're getting closer. I'm Shelley Schlender. This has been an Independence Day look at the quest for better superconductors. Whether you're a backyard tinkerer yourself, or a scientist working in a lab, or someone who hopes fly in an electric passenger jet, here's to everyone who's curious about new technologies and has the hope that they will happen. That's all for this edition of How on Earth. Our executive producer is Beth Bennett. This week's show was produced and engineered by Shelley Schlender. Our theme music was written and produced by Josh Cutler. Additional music, Superman from Jeff Love, Gershwin's Lullaby, and the music of Raymond Scott. Visit our website at howonearthradio.org to find past episodes, extended interviews, and hot links to what we've talked about today. Questions or comments? Call the KGNU comment line at 303 303- 447-9911. For How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show, I'm Shelley Schlender. <laughs>